Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back. Glad you're with us. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. David Reed is the chairman of the board. Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson making the show happen for us. Ellie Sylvia, our great production assistant today. Gentlemen, a lot to get to. We're going to hit quarterback play for the rookies for preseason week number two and, and how that correlates to the regular season and how soon we'll see some of these guys. Cam Newton is in COVID protocol. We'll detail that. Plus, Mike Vrabel is in quarantine due to COVID-19. We'll, we'll discuss what that means for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Flo Floyd Reese passed away over the weekend. We'll give our thoughts on the former Titans general manager, uh, and, and go in depth on what he meant to the franchise, the city, and, and just our overall interactions with him in the past. Uh, Tennessee nearing game week. We are, we are very close to Tennessee and Bowling Green. We'll discuss all of that and more coming up over the next two hours. Good morning, guys. And also monitoring Josh Heupel's media availability because he may name a starter today. May not. He should. But he may name a starter. So we'll see if that happens today also. And it's a big week because it's our final week as a two-hour show. We move to 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central starting next Monday. So this is the last week that you'll hear us only in two hours and in the middle of the day. So keep that in mind. We're going to hammer it home all week. But we will start in the afternoon and we'll be going to three hours starting next Monday. Exciting times. Uh, we've been looking forward to afternoons for a long time. Long time. And uh, we're looking forward to joining you then. We're looking forward to having you come with us. Paul, back from Tampa. Things go well? It was a good trip. It was a long trip uh, outside of locking myself in the car. And, uh, and, and then... <laughs> I forgot um, about that. <laughs> well, uh, I had a couple hotel incidents, too, including I got back to my hotel room at 1.37 in the morning. Um, which, good night. You know, is, no, from the game. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is relatively, <laughs> relatively commonplace off a night game. And uh, I go up. No incidents whatsoever all week with the key. You know, sometimes the key undoes itself in your pocket, all that. Put the key up to the, to the thing. It's not a slot key. It's a touch key. Nothing. So go downstairs to the front desk. You know, the key doesn't work. They say, is it flashing red or is it not flashing at all? I say, oh, it's not flashing at all. They say, oh, oh, it could be the battery pack. So I send the security woman up with me. <laughs> it's the battery pack. So at 1.37 in the morning, I'm spending 15 minutes in the hallway. She goes and she has this hook. This is a little concerning. She's got a contraption to break into the room. <laughs> of course. Well, they all Basically, do. right? Uh, under the door with the hook, it's like a guy getting into the locked car, which I experienced earlier in the week. Goes under the door, unhooks the thing, does the whole thing, changes a battery in, in the door so that my key card will work on the thing. 
So why, when it goes out, does it have to go out the, the time 1.37 in the morning when I've got to get my bags together and catch a couple hours of sleep? You would, you would think there would be some kind of signal or... Um, weakening battery. Yeah, yeah, something that would alert them that the battery would need to be changed soon. Wasn't, wasn't the best. Or, or maybe they had that alert. The, the, whenever the guy left for his shift, he's like, oh, they'll deal yeah, with it later. They'll deal with it later <laughs> when this guy gets home at 1.37 in yeah. the morning. Do you ever just go somewhere and nothing bad happens? Yeah. Most <laughs> There's no run-ins with any worker at any place, any restaurant, any gas station, no any rental car facility. Do you ever go anywhere and you just leave that place and think, boy, that went really well. I didn't have one problem with anything. Most of the time, uh, a weekend trip goes smoothly. <laughs> But this one felt uh, jinxed from the start. And I, I do tend to forget one thing. On this trip, I forgot flip-flops, and I knew I was going to go to the beach at some point. So I was disappointed to not have flip-flops. And I may have bought a $20 pair of flip-flops for my one beach afternoon. At least you didn't buy 15 pairs of those. That's what I would have done. Right. That, that's yeah. the equivalent of me with sunglasses at Hutton's bachelor party. Upgrade, upgrade. Kept going to different <laughs> flip-flops. Like, though, these look even more ridiculous than the last pair of flip-flops. So I need to double down and go say, buy how many? more. They're not comfortable, and they have a tiny Brazilian flag on them, which I'm not into wearing the flags <laughs> of other countries. It's tiny. It's smaller than a post. It's half a postage stamp. They're made in Brazil, apparently. Paul's going to so, start vacationing in Rio in no time. to the Brazilian economy for my small country. Leftover for the Olympic Games. Paul's a big fan of caca also. Maybe. That's why they're so inexpensive. <laughs> uh, Chad, um, how many sunglasses did you actually buy at the, the bachelor party trip? Three. I, I want to say four. You say three? I think it was three. Yeah, it, but I think you went like 20, 40, 60. I, the problem was so if you the had whole, just spent the 120, you would have got a really nice pair of sunglasses. The whole thing was I lost a nice pair of sunglasses, and I'm thinking I'm not going to replace them on this trip with another expensive pair of sunglasses. I'm going to go cheap. And then when you buy three or four <laughs> pair of cheap sunglasses, it equals the cost of one pair of really Good nice sunglasses. sunglasses. That's where I miscalculated. But the thing is, he tried on the first pair. And he's like, what about these? And I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, I'm getting these. He's looking in the mirror. He's like, I'm going with these. And I'm like, no. And then he bought them. And then we're in the next store, and he sees a better pair. And he's like, yeah, I shouldn't have bought those first ones. And you <laughs> well, never returned the other ones. Well, no, there's one pair that I still have to this day. They're just laying around the house that I, I look at, and I'm thinking, shouldn't have done it. Was it a joke? Like, it looked like something you'd buy as a gag to wear to Halloween. Right. They were gold-framed. I'm thinking, what was I... I guess I was in a New Orleans state of mind where I'm thinking, oh, this is like Mardi Gras. This, this is, is why the hat this is very was New such Orleans. a good decision. The hat was good. <laughs> While one. I was buying the hat, he was buying these bad sunglasses. <laughs> the hat was the great hat. in the French Quarter moment, because it was a great I uh, the conversation the starter. Yes. <laughs> because everyone who passed would just say, nice hat, bro. <laughs> they were going. When he did the <laughs> whole I'm everyone. back nice announcement, hat. when he did the whole I'm back announcement, people were going, Hey, the dude in the cool hat says the other dude's back. <laughs> we had a whole tag team. Which thing group going is he on. with? He's the, with the guy with the, the hat. hat. That's how they knew it. It was the dude with the nice hat. It was fun. And um, then we had a lot of leftover beads. That was the other bad purchase oh, of that trip. Yeah, we 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 spent way <laughs> too much on beads five that we never used. Of beads. You, you don't want to buy beads in bulk unless you're on one of those Mardi Gras floats. <laughs> well, I That's thought what we, we were on one of those patios, but we turned out to be right at the edge. We were on a patio, <laughs> but it was yes, it was at the edge of madness is where we were. Um, no, no real madness in the quarterback battle at the University of Tennessee, but Josh Heupel just said in a, a press availability today, he is not naming a starter this week. So they will go into game week without naming a starter for the Bowling Green matchup, which is a week from Thursday 
against uh, Tennessee at Neyland Stadium. So, uh, Chad, it, all signs point to Joe Milton. They're not willing to say it's Joe Milton just yet. Uh, and that will lead us into some of the quarterback battles going on across the NFL, where uh, none of the starters right now, other than Zach Wilson, are officially named as the guy. Uh, we, we know the Jets are going with Wilson, and he's looked pretty good in preseason. We, we know Jacksonville is going with Trevor Lawrence, even though they refuse to say so. Beyond that, though, it's, there's a lot up in the air and, and a lot to be discussed. Mac Jones now enters the picture as the number one QB in New England. That's because Cam Newton has to sit out at least a, a minimum of five days in quarantine for violation of the COVID-19 protocols. And really, it's not even his fault. The New England Patriots sent out this, uh, this statement earlier this morning explaining why Cam Newton has to set out. He said on Saturday, Cam Newton traveled to a club-approved medical appointment that required him to leave the New England area. He received daily COVID tests, which were all negative. Due to a misunderstanding about tests conducted away from NFL facilities, and as required by the NFL, NFLPA protocols, Cam will be subject to the five-day entry cadence process before returning to the facility. Cam will continue participating virtually in team activities and return to the club facility on Thursday, August 26th. So this tells us he's unvaccinated. He is being treated like uh, a player that would be coming in as a free agent in that cadence process. Um, he's going to miss, at least until Thursday, he's going to miss at least a portion of the joint practice with the New York Giants. That's big for Mac Jones, who has played well in the preseason. And to Cam's credit, his numbers look good too. But the question is, how soon does Mac Jones pass him? And we've seen in, in past years, other guys get opportunities because of the quarterback situation. Justin Herbert was not supposed to start the season for the LA Chargers last year. That was supposed to be Terod Taylor. But Terod Taylor uh, and the Chargers medical staff with a mishap where they punctured his lung, uh, they, they end up handing the reins over to Justin Herbert and things worked out in a big way for them last year. And now going into year two, Herbert has a lot of experience. He's the leader of their team. Can Mac Jones take advantage of the first team reps? And keep this in mind, after this week, practices are closed. There's no more open reporting. So after this week with the joint work, if the Patriots so choose, they can give Mac Jones as much work as they want. That's three straight weeks of potential first-team reps if they want to do that without tipping their hand on who their starter is going into week one. This could end up being a great thing for the Patriots if it gives Mac Jones the needed work to be the franchise guy sooner rather than later. Here's my biggest question with this, though. Why the need to go test somewhere else? I'm very confused why this would even be a problem for Cam Newton. Well, my, my first like question is, why would you need to get special approval if you're getting tested, if you're unvaccinated especially, if you're getting tested all the time at the facility, why on earth would he want to go to some third-party place to get a test? Well, the way I read that, he's going somewhere else for some other medical thing, and they want to test him there to be assured that he's all right there. So then just turn over, it's almost like a doctor's note. Then you turn in the results of that test to the NFL and the Patriots, and they try to well, count no, that I as well. I think that test's irrelevant. You're getting the daily test at the Patriots. And he but, has to show up for that daily test at the Patriots. But and they didn't the think Patriots so, maybe. counted the test at whatever facility that was approved by the club. That's his daily test. And that was his daily test. So, so he, he actually tested negative, which the Patriots admit to, 
but the NFL's sitting him. They're getting ready for the Dolphins, by the way. The Dolphins are up-and-coming team in that division, uh, a team that knows them well. Their coach is, is not that far removed from being on the Patriots' staff. Matt Jones, uh, Mac Jones, more of a mystery, obviously, to the whole league and right. certainly to Flores, uh, who wasn't there for Cam Newton either, but um, you know has some familiarity with their their personnel. But, I mean, That's a big week. If one this matchup. is it's such an unnecessary problem, I still just can't wrap my head around. If he's going to get treatment or work out or do something somewhere else, you get tested every day. You just tell that, yeah, we got tested at the facility yesterday. I'm fine. When you walk in, I don't understand the need to get a separate test somewhere else. That's a very weird part of the story. Well, it's, well, and it's then the, the fact Patriots that Patriots didn't know just to the not rule. have him follow the protocols at the building that he follows every day. That's right. If he's it's unvaccinated, he has to get tested every single day at the team facility. And they broke, they broke the streak. Well, and again, program. why Cam Newton wouldn't tell the other place, even if it is something, Paul, where, hey, you, you want to get tested here? Well, no, I'm going to go get tested at the facility today. Or I did this That's morning. I or did. I will tomorrow. It's uh, odd. Well, Cam Newton could have said that. The Patriots are admitting they felt as though that was they following protocol. Yeah. They botched it. But now, and now it's Mac Jones's opportunity. I mean, this is a big week. For a lot of clubs to determine who their guy's going to be, at not, not just a quarterback, but uh, several positions across, ro- across rosters uh, on any given team. Week three is when you really see first teamers get a lot of reps, and you'll also see some of the players that have earned rights to get first team reps get in sync with the starting unit or jump ahead to a number three spot. Uh, the Titans can put out whatever depth chart they want and list rookies wherever they want. Elijah Molden's going to be playing very high on a depth chart this week because it's time to get ready for the regular season. My point is there, not to just always harp on the Titans, but th- this is big for a rookie quarterback especially. Um, and that goes for the Bears, um, of course in Jacksonville, of, of course in New York. Um, that, you know, the list continues with some of these quarterback battles. What's going on in Denver, for instance? There, there are a lot of situations where it, the, the sit-and-wait approach is, is now to a point where, well, training camp's officially ended, that type of work, because teams go into more of a regular season schedule now. Now it's about getting ready for week one and getting through the third preseason game healthy. And this last game may, may be more influential, certainly more influential for New Orleans and for Denver where they're settling on a top quarterback um, certainly more influential probably for these teams that we're talking about with a young quarterback where they're making a decision and coaches are talking about sticking with their veteran in a lot of circumstances. But also, there's a full two weeks, uh, two weeks plus for a lot of teams before the regular season opener. So mm-hmm. that fourth preseason game historically has only been 10 days away from the opener. Uh, too close for comfort for a lot of teams. But now, two weeks, two weeks plus for a lot of teams, that's an awful long time to go without playing. Um, Mike Vrabel said yesterday, you know, five to 15 snaps he'd like to get for guys who, who he can get it for in, in Tennessee. Now, I don't know that there's a prevailing thinking. I mean, Sean McVay is staunchly, I'm not playing anybody. Um, Bruce Arians was staunchly, I'm not playing anybody after two practices against the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some veteran guys like, like Brady will probably be able to say for themselves, yeah, I want to go out there and, and get a little work and real action, or no, I, I don't need it and let's not take any risks. 
But it's the age-old question of, of uh, you know, are the snaps worth the risk? Um, and somebody will inevitably get hurt. Maybe a player of super consequence, maybe just a role player, but to restart the whole question. Yeah, and the, the preseason, um, you know, no preseason last year. And everything was fun. And everything worked out well, especially offensively for teams right out of the chute. I mean, they, they set records last year in points scored, yards earned. Um, look, it, the, what the preseason has told me is they could easily get the work in that they need in two games. Vrabel can complain all he wants about the time off and wanting to get five to 15 snaps. He could have done that this past week if he so choose. It, the, the injured, it, that tells me the Titans are a lot more banged up than they lead on. Because the New England Patriots, who returned all these vets, guess who practiced last week in the heat in Tampa? All those vets for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All of them. Meanwhile, the Titans held back a lot of players, a lot of starters, because they're banged up. So, no, they're not going to play these starters, 5 to 15 snaps, because they're banged up. Let me go back to the rookie quarterback conversation you were just having. Maybe this is a shockingly new school approach by me on this. I can't think of a single scenario where I don't want to see the rookie quarterback start in week one in all of these. That includes Trey Lance with Jimmy Garoppolo. If I had to lean towards one that might make more sense, it's that one, that you start Jimmy G and then eventually bring on Trey Lance. I don't want to see Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. I don't want to see anyone in New York. Uh, over Zach, over over Allen. I don't want to see. I mean, go down the list. Wilson, over Wilson. Wilson, Wilson sorry. Yeah, they don't have anybody that could play ahead of Wilson. That's not going to be. A but I, I don't. I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence, the, the funny charade we've talked about with Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. He's going to be the starter. Yes. But I, I think you throw these guys. Uh, you start the clock when you draft a guy to be your franchise quarterback. I, I just I don't believe anymore in sitting back and waiting because of fear. Either fear that they're not completely ready with the playbook or fear of injury. I think you put them out there and the great ones are really good at learning on the job. Now, the, the flip side of that is Joe Burrow with no protection a year ago and eventually getting hurt, right? I mean, that's always, I guess, the fear with anyone, but I mean, they could get hurt in year two also. That's the worry. When you to start me. them eventually. That, that's the only legitimate worry to me. And I'm with you on Garoppolo. Garoppolo has gone to a Super Bowl with that team. I think they could effectively start the season if they want. But the number one reason and really the only reason for me to hold back on a rookie quarterback at the beginning is if you're worried about your offensive line. And now, do these teams have bad offensive lines? I, I don't think generally they have bad offensive lines. Though, Hutton, we saw last year for ourselves, the Bengals and the Bears were bad up front on the offensive line. They were beat up and they had a lot of replacement parts on those offensive lines. Uh, and it didn't matter for the Bengals, who found a way to beat the Titans when we saw them in person, even though they were a patchwork line. If your line is bad and your guy's going to be under fire, then, Chad, even if you're running a simplified offense where you're saying, hey, we're not going to throw the house at you. We're only going to ask you to do so much. We can play defense. We can run. And we can win with you doing not everything as we gradually give you more and more. But I don't want you to be under assault where you lose all confidence. I know the guy's got to have swagger off the beginning and everything, but if he's getting hit left and right, you can, you can change his mentality in a bad way. But I think these teams have reasonably good offensive lines and protections, and coach is smart enough to call things that aren't going to ask him to hold the ball very long, very often. I, I want to see them too, and I think we should. I, I just very, very simply put, and I understand that every – 
scenario is different with different franchises. But this is something consistent. If you draft a quarterback in the first round, you're drafting that quarterback because you believe that they are your best option to play quarterback in the future and now. There are very few situations where you're drafting a quarterback in the first round to sit and wait behind someone else. doesn't happen anymore. Kyle Trask was a second rounder, I think, in Tampa. He's awesome. There's a scenario, and usually first or second round, I think you're drafting a quarterback to play immediately. But there's a second round pick that clearly you're not drafting to start over Tom Brady. You're, Kellen Mond, you didn't draft You're taking him because maybe they can be the guy in a year or two and it's a good safety pick because you're going to need a quarterback because – one quarterback is in a difficult situation where you don't know how long they're going to be around or they're about to retire. So I understand that. But when you, you go down the list, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, these guys were drafted to be franchise quarterbacks. Let them be a franchise quarterback. I, I just don't agree anymore with let Jimmy Garoppolo go start and then Jimmy Garoppolo goes and tears it up. And then what? I mean, is, is, do you really think you drafted – Trey Lance, because you think Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of tearing it up long term and that he's going to be an option. What's what's a win here or there early on? Um, a win here or there early on can mean a lot. And and watching, actually watching the San Francisco 49ers this past week, I don't think Trey Lance is ready to start. He makes a lot of highlight reel throws and then he looks terrible on the following series. There you go. There's some good content. Um there, there, there is a lot of up and down. Justin Fields is a one-read quarterback right now. That's as good as he gets right now with the, with the one read, and then he's taking off. The Chicago Bears fans remind me a lot of Tennessee Titans fans when Vince Young was drafted. They are on their feet cheering and screaming for a first down run from their quarterback. Not a completion, but when he scrambles and runs 12 yards for a first down and gets out of bounds without being touched, they're cheering like the guy just threw a 50-yard bomb down the middle of the field. That's exciting to them because they're moving the sticks. They're booing Andy Dalton, who's taking the field as the the starting quarterback because they want Justin Fields, and then they cheer him to no end for a first down run. It's mind-boggling, and it reminds me of the situation here in Nashville. You You can scheme, as a coach, you can scheme around your quarterback, and you can win and win early. The question is, can you run your offense that you want to run now? And... Chad, while I agree, I'm, I'm leaning more and more as the years progress towards I'm against the sit-and-wait approach. There, there is some advantages to knowing that you're going to play your guy later in the year, and it's just not going to be right now. There, there are also advantages. Like, I'm not buying the Andy Dalton as the franchise QB in, in Chicago. Justin Fields is going to be the starter by the end of September. But that's also probably going to save a couple of weeks on the coaching staff's jobs by choosing to go that route. If they start 0-5 with their rookie quarterback, they're fired. If they start 0-4 with Andy Dalton and make a quarterback change, they survive for another month and a half. And then who knows? Do you have a Vince Young situation where you start 0-6 and, and then you play your rookie and you end up 8-8 eight and eight at the end of the year? You survive, and you, you're, there, there are advantages to making that job security status known is he getting, with the quarterback decision. Is he getting to the second read by the time those four weeks are over? If the answer to well, that is yes, then there is a but case. But you don't, you don't necessarily have to have a, a second read to win. Um, I'm not saying Vince Young was doing that no, on, a, on a routine basis. But to, to be able to pull the trigger and say, this guy's ready to start and run the offense right out of the gate – 
There, there are a couple of these guys that can't do it. That's why this is a big week for Mac Jones because he can prove he can do it with first-team reps. And he's more likely to do Trevor it. Lawrence should be able to do it, and they're just not naming him the starter. Um, Garoppolo should be light years ahead of where Trey Lance is right now offensively. That's why you would stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, let's go with that Vince Young the comparison that you threw out there, Hutton. If you have Vince Young, don't you want to know that you have a Vince Young on your roster sooner rather than later? I just don't believe in the coddling of a guy because you think Andy Dalton is a better option, that Andy Dalton's going to somehow get you off to a great start in Chicago as opposed to Justin Fields. I'm, if I'm drafting the guy, first off, I don't believe he's Vince Young, clearly. That's why you draft him. Vince Young was a, a bust. Oh, he's good early. He was good early, but overall his career was a bust. Yeah. He's, not, he's not Jamarcus Russell, no. but he's a bust. Yeah. But you draft someone, it's not Deshaun Kaiser, but you get my point. You draft someone, you play them, and you find out, and you start finding out early. I'm not saying you're going to throw the, the prospect out and the player out because of a, a rough first five weeks, and I'm uncomfortable, and I get that this happens. I don't care about my head coach, if I'm the head of an organization, doing something to piecemeal a two-and-three star as opposed to a one-and-four star because I might save his job when Justin Fields comes to the rescue in late September, early October, and then they win a few more games. I want to win, and I want to win now and in the future, and I believe when you invest in a quarterback in the first round, you need to play them early in order to do that. Well, I, I, I do think there are advantages to not showing the one-read option quarterback early. Vince Young was the offensive rookie of the year in 2006 for the National Football League. He is far from a bust of Jamarcus Russell. And they did that because he didn't play opponents twice. Defensive coordinators didn't have time to adjust to what he was doing. And uh, there will be some advantages in Justin Fields in that regard. And Justin Fields is better throwing on the run than Vince, but so far in the preseason, it, the, the highlight reels have been about the run. It hasn't been about the pass with him. And it's easier 2006. to defend that passing game with those limitations. I'm not saying Andy Dalton's hard to defend, Let's, but you do have to defend the whole field. You do have to defend multiple receivers. Let's also be clear, though. 2006 is a far cry yeah, different, from right now. Different, different. You're not going to surprise anyone with a read option in 2021 with the way quarterbacks play in college football that's now bled into the NFL. Vince Young was a total anomaly when he got to the league, and he did surprise people and knock them off balance because of what he was doing that no one else was really doing at that point. Everyone's seen Justin Fields in the NFL. If Justin Fields is good, it's because he's going to be able to process information quickly and make good passes and use his athleticism around that. Hutton, you're saying you're not seeing that yet from him. I agree with you. The coaching staff It's a lot of takeoff and run, but he's going to have to be able to do that. I don't know that you're, you're going to – I don't know that you're going to help that process speed up if you wait four or five weeks to start him. And if you're concerned with a guy's morale being killed – or his confidence being crushed because you start him early, that's not the guy anyways. I, I, no, generally, I, agree with that. I generally agree with that. But I do think no matter how good a guy is, how much swagger he has, separate of uh, you know, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, that kind of thing, you can uh, uh, set back a guy's psyche early. I agree with you. You, you. you don't have to be overly wary of a guy's psyche 
early on to, to put them in the cradle. I'm, I'm against that. But I do think you want to be conscious that you, you need some, enough positives to outweigh this crushing, getting up from a sack all the time or, uh, or, or throwing a ton of, uh, or seeing your one read co double covered all the time and getting really discouraged. There's a lot to dig out from there. And even the toughest guy is going to have a hard time. Even Peyton Manning, when he talks about that first season, talks about how discouraged he was. Now, we know he's a special kind of mindset. But Justin Fields, no matter how confident he is, if it's really bad for the first five weeks out of the gate, there's going to be recovery time to that. That doesn't make him soft. That doesn't make him not the guy we thought he was mentally. It just makes it harder. I'm not asking the guy to be okay with losing. Yeah. I'm not asking to be, oh, if everything's fine, peachy keen, we're 0-7, I'm getting crushed every time I drop back. I'm not saying that, but if you draft a guy in the first round to lead your organization, the understanding is that he has perspective enough to know, Bumps hey, we're, it's going to be tough early, I'm only going to get better. And it's the work I put into it that's going to make me better. Fight through. And to know that, I mean, Peyton Manning obviously knew that. The great quarterbacks in the NFL are going to know that when they start as rookies. But that's on the organization to identify that and hope that you have it and let them go show it by starting them as a rookie. I think we're all pretty much aligned. That sooner is better than later. Uh, now, coaching, coaching, you raised an interesting point. I mean, Nagy is in a totally different situation than Shanahan. And Belichick. Yeah, those guys aren't worried about, uh, about their job. But see, and I, and I'm coming at it from I don't care about his job security. Like that's if yeah, I'm if I'm a Bears fan or if I'm the Chicago Bears organization, that's not whatever you've done to lead to the point where you're on the hot seat is on you. You drafted a quarterback in the first round. Play that damn quarterback. But the and quarterback find a way is his life preserver. The quarterback is his life preserver. I, Hutton, I completely agree with you ownership? from his standpoint. Like and I understand that's what he's his doing. thinking. Who's telling him ownership? I understand his mindset. I would do the same thing if I were him. I'm telling you. I don't care because I'm not him. <laughs> well, it's going, it's going to get ugly in Chicago as they continue to trot out Andy Dalton because uh, Matt Nagy, he, he doubled down after the, the game this past week, which, by the way, the Bills just crushed the Bears. I mean, just destroyed them. Uh, it was 28 nothing quick. And then all of a sudden uh, they put, you know, Justin Fields is in the game for the majority of this game. And uh, they're working on it even late in the fourth quarter. They're trying to get some things done. Um, where he's, he's, he's overthrowing a tight end in the back of the end zone. And the, the Chicago Bears broadcast team are thinking, you know what, Jesse James, jump with two feet instead of one and help out your quarterback because, you know what, that pass is going to be caught by Jimmy Graham. What a great throw by Justin Fields. Well, not every receiver is Jimmy Graham. It's on the quarterback to make a touch pass in the back of the end zone to the receiver who's capable of hauling in an end zone. How many touchdown passes have we seen from receivers where you go up in the back of the end zone with one foot and you toe drag it and you fall out of bounds? It happens. It's a routine play for a receiver. It's on the quarterback to put it on him. And Fields is not doing that yet. And they're apologizing on the broadcast. It's, it's hilarious. And it's a great representation, honey, because it's like, you know, you grow up playing basketball and you have the guy on your team who can dunk. Well, you throw the lob to him. Right. If I look up and see my five, six point right. guard that's down there, I'm probably not throwing him a lob. I may throw him a bounce pass right. if I get the defender coming up to me and he can go lay it up at that point. But you're not going to lob it over his head. That's the type of realization 
and feel for the game that you want your QB1 to have. And I, don't, it, I don't think that QB1 is Andy Dalton, the way they're preaching that he is, but well, that's it, something it, you got to The learn. reason why I say it's going to get ugly in Chicago is they continue to say that it's Andy Dalton's offense right now. And, and Dalton is saying that. He's like, hey, it's my time right now. Justin Fields' time is, is coming up. Fields has even said, like, it's disrespectful to chant my name as Andy Dalton's yeah. on the field. He, he's saying all the right things, too. The Bears fans want Justin Fields now. I mean, they're, they're on Team Chad here. They want him starting, and they want it announced immediately, regardless of what results they're seeing. I mean, they, they, they had the third, right after the third down incompletion in the back of the end zone, fourth and goal. He throws it out of the back of the end zone, just getting rid of it instead of actually putting it in the end zone, allowing a player to make a play on fourth down, Get or you're applause. turning it over on downs. He didn't get applause, but like, they were praising the fact that he drove them down to like the 25-yard line on the possession. Um, again, like it's just it's a, it's a coddling aspect that even the fans are on board with, and it's I understand where Nagy's coming from when you watch him play. If you look at a stat sheet and you compare the numbers, you can make the stats look fairly similar to each other. When you watch them play, it is a one read and takeoff scenario, and that does not work week in and week out in this league. No. And the coaching staff knows that. I liked what Fields said about Dalton. I think that shows a good head on, on your shoulder saying, hey, don't boo him. It doesn't serve anybody well. When he's on the field, he's our quarterback, and we should all, all be behind him. Now, fans aren't going to listen to him. Or, or whatever, but that's a good message to come from the guy in waiting. And Paul, and a nice thing for and him we to know say this. for Dalton, and and Dalton supporting him, I would imagine to some degree, and he's given it. The back. only way he 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 keeps his time lasting longer than three or four weeks is to start unbeaten in the month of September. Yeah, play like, well, right out of the gate, play well. Um, we don't foresee that happening. Like all, I think all of us agree that Justin Fields is the starter in Chicago when October rolls around. Yeah, and here's the start of their season. They go to the Rams. They get Tough. Cincinnati at home, at Cleveland, Detroit at home. I two mean, good, good shot at two, two and, and two. two. Well, no matter who I think you got a good shot at two and two with Justin Fields. And I could also argue that starting Fields early may even be better for Nagy's job security. From this perspective, you're giving the fans what they want. And then you can fall back on if you if in fact he improves as the year goes on, could be a rough start. But if they start winning some and he looks better late in the season, to me that's a better sales pitch than you start two and six with Andy Dalton, bring him in, he has some success, and everyone's saying, well, why the hell didn't you start Justin Fields at the start of the season if he comes in and suddenly the offense is better? And I think Bears fans are so starved for a excitement at quarterback. And a winner at quarterback, they're going to take every ounce, just like that broadcast team, every <laughs> ounce of positivity. And if you're Nagy and that staff and you can see, boy, he had a 40-yard run today. That was a great play action, one read play where he threw the crosser and it was a big gain. If you sell those little moments, even if it's in close losses, I think that's better for job security than rolling with Andy Dalton, you know, winning or losing early on, eventually going with Justin Fields. And then seeing what happens. And then if he's better than Andy Dalton, the second guessing will start. Why didn't you start the guy from the beginning? Again, the Bears, too. Defensive football team is going to hand the ball to David Montgomery a lot. What do they need from their quarterback? I think you could factor that in as well, right? You could probably, because of the way they're built, if they're doing what they're supposed to do, get away with a running quarterback and a one-read thing if, if they scheme it up well enough. 
I'm still laughing at the Jesse James. You got to jump off two feet. <laughs> they were blaming him. You got to go up. I don't care how high that ball is thrown. You know, Manu Bowl would have would have blocked that shot. <laughs> this is the basketball equivalent of I'm coaching Paul and I'm I'm yelling at the, the broadcast team. You know, Manu Bowl, Sean Bradley would have blocked also, that with ease. How dare you? Also, you help your you help your guy out. Jimmy on help Graham has blocked been Jimmy that Graham shot. for ten years since New Orleans. <laughs> Like that's the other thing too. Like, oh, you know that pass, that pass in this offense, that's for Jimmy Graham in the back of the. Okay, uh, even if he's okay. not there, throw it like he is there. <laughs> you know, Mike Mike Ditka as the tight end would have planted two feet. He probably wouldn't have jumped high enough to catch it, but by God, he would have planted those two feet and he would have l- jumped with two feet and not one. And that's what you got to do to help out yeah. your quarterback. We, we think Tom Brady kept throwing for Randy Moss <laughs> after Randy Moss was replaced by some scrubs in New England. <laughs> Julian Edelman, how dare you? How dare you not catch that high that high pass just like Randy Moss would? Uh, let, let's continue to roll through a couple of these quarterback scenarios when we come back. Um, and, and, and also, we'll compare this to last year with the coaching decision that would have happened had Terod Taylor not been injured uh, with the, the – what, what, he was an injection for fluid in his lungs, right? And yeah. they punctured his lung? Yeah. At San Diego – sorry, Oh, it was LA a rib, doctors, a rib injury. LA a rib injury on fire. Yeah, we'll, we'll compare the, the coaching scenario there, and, and we'll also raise our hand and admit sometimes we give coaches way too much leniency on getting these quarterbacks ready. That is straight ahead on OutKick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. We're talking rookie quarterbacks in the sit and wait or play and work through the growing pains. And an example of this would be last year where a media fan base, however you want to look into this, we were all extremely lenient on coaches getting rookies ready to go. Uh, the, the example would be with the Chargers and Justin Herbert. And with no offseason because of COVID, no preseason games to get quarterbacks ready, they went into the, the, the offseason and went into the regular season thinking Terod Taylor was going to be the guy, and eventually we'd see Justin Herbert take the reins of the offense. Despite reports that Herbert was looking very good uh, during training camp practices, during work leading up to the season. And then the rib injury occurs for Terod Taylor, they have the issue where they puncture his lung uh, while trying to assess the rib injury. And here comes Justin Herbert. And Herbert ends up being great. I mean, fantastic. So, and, and Anthony Lynn would have played, would have played to Rod Taylor uh, much longer. And who knows what happens with, with Herbert throughout that season. Now with a new head coach, that new head coach inherits a, a really solid quarterback situation where they know what they have and he's already been through some of the growing pains as they goes he goes into year two you now have five of these rookies across the league in 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 round one from this past year's draft that have had offseason work who have been primarily the quarterback in preseason games justin fields played three quarters uh, the other day for the for the bears against the bills my point is at what point do we say Okay, Matt Nagy, you're known for being an offensive guy, a quarterback guy. Get your guy ready. It's on you. 
Yeah, last year was really different, like you said, because of COVID, no preseason games, no scrimmages, no joint practices. You really had Nothing. very little to go on. Now, Joe Burrow was still opening day starter for the Bengals, if I'm but not mistaken. But we knew we, that was a foregone. They had no other option. Right. Terod Taylor, though, I think was a reasonable guy to plan to start, right? You know, had some success. You know, not I, I would have liked them better at the beginning of last year for the Chargers than I would have liked Andy Dalton at the beginning of this year for the Bears. Um, and Herbert, you know, came into the league, I think, with more questions. You know, he and Tua were kind did, of yeah, paired yeah. together. It was a big surprise that he did as well as he did as quickly as, as he did. Um, but I think Nagy's reputation is down. Right, that that offensive genius hat is off. He's one of these guys that has a team that's uh, inverse of what you would expect. It. The Bears are the Bears, a defensive football team again, where their talent is mostly defense. And if they're going to win, it's that's probably good for a rookie. Be low scoring, right? It's good for Fields, but it also and it should take some pressure off the head coach who doesn't have should. to do what you're saying and go out there and be uh, a wizard with the hat on our guy out here with the staff selling magic um, he's won because he, he hasn't shown that he's able to do the magic outside of kansas city uh, and for those that don't know we have we have a guy outside that once uh, last week uh, offered to to jake two weeks ago offered jacob swanson a magic, uh, a magic staff i believe he described it first as a magic wand what was the uh, and price he wanted on that? To, he wanted to sell it for five dollars five Started at a million. Went yeah. <laughs> Started at a million, went down to five, and we're disappointed that Jacob didn't make this I know. We, we want that. It looked beautiful. Yes. Right here, and we could have used it. Like we could have had a segment. Gandalf Mag- staff. The magic staff. With the, the million, he would have got thy, thy rod and thy staff. Yeah. Was, the, was the deal. It was a combo deal. It would have comforted all Initially, but then it went down to five just for the wand. Yeah. The wand and the wand. And the wand. We could have had a segment on that. But we're tying in the Bears. The Bears will be in town this week to face the Titans, so we'll get a, a we'll great look at, at Justin Fields. Uh, but but elsewhere, just looking at some other situations, uh, Zach Wilson looks fine uh, against uh, as the Jets quarterback. By the way, no alternative there. Uh, Corey Davis. Uh, I saw this stat. I believe Pro Football Focus put this out. Heavy targets. Corey Davis here last year in Nashville was targeted the most he was targeted throughout his entire career here where he was targeted 22% of the reps that he actually ran. Uh, routes ran, uh, right. that he was actually on the field for 22% of the time the ball came his way. Limited work in the preseason, albeit it's limited. 77% of the snaps where he's on the field, the ball is headed his way from Wilson. Well, they clearly said, when we get Corey Davis on the field in the preseason, work we're going to make sure to target yeah. him and get uh, Zach Wilson his work with Corey Davis. Which He's looked a okay. Wilson's looked as good. long as Davis is is healthy. He's a real curiosity to us because we want to see how the Jets use him as compared to how the Titans maximize him. And, and Trevor Lawrence, we Trevor Lawrence is starting in Jacksonville. We, he's the guy. Zach Wilson's the guy in New York. Beyond that, we, we've discussed Justin Fields. Beyond that, what about the other two situations? Trey Lance in San Francisco, where they have really mortgaged their future on him. The clock is ticking to get that going. And, and then Mac Jones in New England, who has a great opportunity this week with Cam Newton uh, in quarantine, he gets all the reps, all the first-team reps for at least five days, and that includes a joint practice against the Giants. Cam Newton, I mean, I just think you know what he is. How much better is he going to be the second time through when he was 
relatively careless with the ball, just didn't throw it well. Isn't it interesting how how much they like him there? Like they uh, Belichick. Go, even going into last year, we were skeptical of what he would bring as their QB. And they, he was really bad last year. And they re-signed him. It's not like he was under contract. They brought him back. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of alternatives. And they like him so much and drafted 15th uh, a guy who could... Drafted 15th, but a, uh, also a drafted a guy who many had projected to go to San Francisco at three. So right. well, that's a perfect I mean, New England scenario, right? They sit. That's my point. You, you took the guy to sell right to you. It's a very similar scenario with San Francisco and New England. Two good teams, uh, two guys that's not a no-brainer slam dunk that you start them right away because of the starter in place, Jimmy G in San Francisco, Cam Newton in New England. But I'm going to go back to what I said when we started the show. I'd, I'd start both of them. Well, in San Francisco, from, from the jump. they traded two future first-round picks to get him. Yes. He's a high-ceiling guy. That's the guy, difference though. between San Francisco Lance and New, and New, New England. Lance is a high-ceiling guy. Mac Jones, I don't think, has that huge ceiling. But Mac Jones is more pro-ready from what everybody said, right? He's coming out he of has, an offense He has played well. Was, he has played well. It's also different circumstances because you've got a quarterback while injured lately that got your franchise to a Super Bowl in Jimmy Garoppolo. And in New England, you got another quarterback who was an MVP mm-hmm. who got his former team to a Super Bowl, but it's clearly not the same. Feels like ancient history. Feels like ancient history for both. But it's not Garoppolo like you're competing. Garoppolo was actually low only a couple of years well, ago. Well, it's not like you're competing with you know Gardner Minshew if you're Trevor Lawrence in, in Jacksonville. It's just different circumstance because those guys are more accomplished than what you're talking about some of these other places. So far, it appears only one player is in quarantine here in Nashville uh, for contact tracing with Mike Vrabel. That would be Anthony Rush, the 6'5", 350-pound defensive lineman. He was placed today on the reserve COVID-19 list. That is, uh, that's a list that either means you have COVID or you have been deemed close contact to someone with COVID. So that doesn't necessarily mean that, that he has it. Uh, he could just be quarantined for having been in close contact if with an infected person. And that person would be Mike Vrabel. If you are vaccinated, if you're fully vaccinated as a player and you've been in close contact with Mike Vrabel and you, you are in the same boat as, for instance, Anthony Rush, you are not deemed a, 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 a big risk player with COVID-19. Like that, if you're, you're, you're not contract traced in the in the same manner Paul based on the description of the rule uh, if you come in close contact with someone with COVID-19 as a fully vaccinated player even though you can get it you're allowed to go right back into work you are not quarantined right now if you have symptoms and then get asymptomatic tested, yeah asymptomatic. if you have symptoms then you get tested then then it could you could then you're like Vrabel uh, then you would go on to the, the same protocol that Vrabel does. But otherwise, if you're vaccinated, you're, you're in the clear. If you're unvaccinated, Anthony Rush uh, would appear to be unvaccinated. Presu- uh, we're presuming he had contact with Vrabel and he's, he's falling into... Paul, this is going to be an easy way <laughs> for you and others that cover the Titans beat uh, to find out who's vaccinated and who's not. Yeah, well, there's still some guys that wear masks during warm-up. Um, Which that leads you to believe. Th- that tells you. Yeah. Well, that's their protocol. Yeah. They have to do that. Also, uh, Tucker McCann They're waved. 90%. Tucker McCann waved injured today. So um, that, that means that it's Sam Ficken as the only kicker currently on the roster. 
Um, they have to be down to 80 players by tomorrow. Um, so I think that gets them there because I think they were at 84. Yeah. Uh, so as I'm doing this list, they, they have waived Paul Adams, an offensive lineman um, who has been on and off the roster uh, three times since uh, last week. And then Ross Reynolds also waived injured. So they have waived two offensive linemen and kicker Tucker McCann. That helps them get to 80. And Anthony Rush on the reserve COVID-19 list uh, placed there today. We will get into uh, Mike Vrabel testing positive for COVID-19 and what that means for the setup this week here in Nashville, what that means and what writing is on the wall for uh, the the season, for the NFL season and how they want to get these games in. We'll discuss that. Um, Also, Chad, we will get into Josh Heupel and his decision to not name a starter. I'm intrigued from, from your end of things. Uh, where all signs point to Joe Milton. Let's read between the lines on some of the comments from Heupel, where he says that the, the starter, whenever it's announced, will have earned the respect and the trust of both the coaching staff and the locker room. And he's saying that right now there's three quarterbacks that can still do that, although we all think it's Joe Milton. And in about 10 minutes, we will remember the late Floyd Reese, who passed away this weekend uh, after a bout with cancer. That is all coming up. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience. Uh, love being partnered with Aurora and everything they offer at vitalifescience.com. You're seeing it right here on your screen. Aurora Nutriscience does things different. They're, they're getting you uh, exactly what you need through, through the vitamin intake. Chad, the, you've seen me bring in the vitamin C, uh, the glutathione. Simple, easy-to-use packets in the grab-and-go is very simple. I've thought about taking one of those vitamin C packets from you a couple of times, Hutton. They look very enticing as you, you bring them some? to the studio. I do. May I? <laughs> you may. Nice. Go to, go to vitalifescience.com. Can, can, can we do two straws? Just drink out of the same <laughs> cup? One cup, two straws? It, by, by the way, it tastes like orange juice. People have asked me, like, does this taste really bad? No, it doesn't. Each one has an individual flavor, and none of them are disgusting. Um, and this is not a pill or a capsule because pill and capsules are not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks down these pills until there's little for you to benefit from. And here's Aurora, unique cutting edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, the glutathione, simple single-use packets, grab and go in the morning. You're good for the day. Vitalifescience.com for more information. If you are a weekend warrior, if you're taking medication for high cholesterol, if you want the benefits for, from uh, curcumin, they, they have it all at vitalifescience.com and 15% off. You see it on your screen. Use the code OUTKICK360 for 15% off your orders at vitalifescience.com. Tennessee Power Hour is coming up. Welcome back, Outkick 360, across the Outkick network. If you have not done so already, by the end of this month, please go subscribe to the Outkick 360 YouTube channel. By doing so, you're automatically entered to win the Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. You see everything on your screen there, but it also includes the speaker system from Sony and Hertz Audison, the Sony AX3000 car stereo with Apple CarPlay, the Hertz Audison 520-watt amp and the 400-watt powered subbox, and the speaker system. All you have to do is subscribe to the Outkick 360 channel, ring the bell, 
and that, that alerts you to every time we go live across the network or that we post new content to the channel. By doing so, you're automatically entered to win. We will draw a winner on Tuesday, August 31st. Um, hopes are up a bit in Indianapolis where Carson Wentz is back to limited work as the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Doesn't mean he's getting first team reps and this doesn't mean that he's involved in anything really individual or team oriented, but he's back to work on a field with the Indianapolis Colts and Frank Reich has made it very simple. They're not going to rush this. There's no timetable that's listed because he's back now to working through things and he's throwing passes or doing things on the field in a Colts quarterback uniform. But this is a good sign for, for initially an injury that could have lasted up to 12 weeks. We're now four weeks removed from that announcement where he had surgery to repair that bone issue in his foot. And hopes should be a little bit higher today in Indy than what they were at the end of last week. I was shocked when I saw the news that both guys were going to be back in practice, even if it's very, very limited. Um, that's great news for Indianapolis. And I think it suddenly gives you hope if you're a Colts fan that, hey, this division is not lost after all, that they, they are a team that could contend with the Titans for the top. There's video of him at the start of practice running, uh, you know, a jagged run, planting and cutting pretty firmly, which I wouldn't have thought was the first thing you would see him doing considering the foot. So, uh, uh, you know, if I'm a Colts person looking at that, I'm, I'm very encouraged. Uh, you know, that gigantic, ridiculous timetable they gave um, – Proves to be <laughs> to, proves to be folly, and that Nelson's back. Also, um, you know, a heavier guy who's putting you know obviously a lot more weight um, on that, uh, and in more confined space. Um, I think you know maybe even a better piece of news. So things are looking up for the Colts, who everybody was writing off a while ago. I still think uh, roster talent-wise, and I'm no Titans super fan. I just am surprised at how many people are behind the Colts given their lack of action at wide receiver and at defensive back. Um, positions, I think, at which they are going to have a hard time. Coming up, we will remember the late Floyd Reese who passed away this weekend at the age of 73, the former Titans GM, the architect of the only Super Bowl team here in Nashville. We'll get into that. We will recap our thoughts and give analysis on Titans and Bucks from this past Saturday evening and what stood out to us with some players that are eyeing that roster spot at the back end. Uh, we'll get into Vrabel's positive COVID test and what it means this week from an organizational standpoint on the practice field and what it could mean down the road for, for other teams in the same situation. It's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.